Welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins. I want to welcome you today. We are in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. It's the message to the church at Philadelphia, and it goes through chapter 3, verse 13. So let's dive in right there, beginning in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things. These are the words of the Holy One, the True One, the one who has the key of David, who opens the door that no one can shut and shuts the door so that no one can open it. I know your deeds. Look, I have placed before you an open door, which no one has the power to shut, because I know you have little strength. Yet you have obeyed my command and did not deny my name. Watch, I will cause those who belong to the synagogue of Satan, who call themselves Jews, but they're not. They're liars. You watch. I will force some of them to come and grovel at your feet so that they will know I have loved you because you have obeyed my command to endure. So I will persevere you from the so I will preserve you, sorry, from the hour of trial which will come upon the entire earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Keep what you have so that no one takes away your crown. As for the one who prevails to the end, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never leave it. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends from heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Let the one with an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In our last session, we looked at verse 7, so I'm going to take up where we left off in just the, in, 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 in verse 8. I know your deeds. Look, I have placed before you an open door which no one has the power to shut because I know you have little strength. And then here's where we start today. Still, you have obeyed my command and did not deny my name. Watch. I will cause those who belong to the synagogue of Satan, who call themselves Jews, but are not, they are liars, you watch. I will force some of them to come and grovel at your feet so they will know I have loved you. Wow, I'm not sure that that's how you impress people that God loves you, right? That that makes me stop right there. That's enough for this session. What in the world can that possibly mean? He knows we have little strength. Still, you have obeyed my command and did not deny my name. It doesn't say commands. It's not about the Ten Commandments. What is the command they have obeyed? Well, he says it down at the very end of this section. Because you have obeyed my command to endure. To simply stand where you are. To keep the faith no matter what you face. Because you have kept my command and did not deny my name. Now watch. Anytime the scripture says watch or look, well, that's important. See, God wants you to point your ears. Lock your eyes with his. Pay attention to what's going on here. You watch. I will cause those who belong to the synagogue of Satan. Now this is the second time in the book of Revelation that the Holy Spirit has referred to a Jewish synagogue in a particular town as the synagogue of Satan, not the synagogue of God, 
but the synagogue of Satan. The first was in Smyrna. And, and in other villages, God had problems with their spirit of compromise. But in Smyrna, there was nothing wrong with the church at Smyrna. He had no corrective for them. You'll notice he doesn't have any corrective for the church at Philadelphia. Those are the two churches to whom he only has good things to say. And in both cases, they exist in a community with a synagogue of Satan. They're not Jews, they're liars. What are they lying about? Well, they're lying about belonging to God. You see, Jews were to be the light of God to the Gentiles, not the judge. Jews were to be God's suffering people, God's redemptive force in society, not the ones who lorded it over everybody else, not the ones who took control of the capitalism of that town and became social rulers over the rest. They weren't supposed to be the ones who lorded it over others. Remember, Jesus said, you understand that that your social elites rule over other people. And you don't like that. Don't be that way. I empower the meek, Jesus says. I bless the meek. I empower the ones who don't have power, but not so that you'll use it on other people. And the Jewish synagogue was apparently taking advantage of the Roman edict to worship emperors or lose your right to do commerce in their society. They were taking advantage of that by selling out the Christians. You see, as long as the Christians identified themselves as Jewish Christians and stayed in the synagogue and didn't make any waves, you could be any kind of Jew you wanted to be. In Judaism, the tent is really big. You can be a social Jew who simply calls themselves a Jew and never shows up at the synagogue. You can be a kind of part-time Jew who shows up for the holidays and feasts. Or you can be a very devout, even orthodox Jew who's there every time the doors are open. See, the same thing is true in the Christian church, right? There are people in our church who call themselves Christians and never darken the door of a church. There are people who call themselves Christians and come on Christmas and Easter or when there's a wedding or a funeral that they want to come to or there's a big dinner with food they like. There are other Christians who are devout and and they darken the door every time it's opened. But, But these Jews, they're not Jews at all because they don't live by the values that God expects his people to live by. And the Holy Spirit through John says, I'm going to cause them to come to you. Now, the, the language literally says to come grovel at your feet. What will they be groveling for? I mean, to grovel is to, is to beg, right? He, they're going to be in such need that they're going to come to you for help. And I'm going to give them the chance to see that I love you. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus said, by this one thing will all men know that I'm that you're my disciples. By this one thing will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Not that just that you love each other, but that you love one another. You see the difference? It's not simply that we're a clique or a club, 
but we're the loving people on the face of this earth. At this moment that John writes this message to the church at Philadelphia, they were probably in some financial need. And if they went and begged the Jews to help them, the implication is they wouldn't help them at all, right? They would judge them. They would expose them. They would say, well, if you did what you were supposed to do, you wouldn't be in the need that you're in. Thank the Lord that nobody in today's church would say that to some poor lost soul, huh? <clears throat> well, maybe we would. And that's the tragedy of the thing. Because the Holy Spirit says to the church at Philadelphia, I'm going to cause them, I'm going to force them into such a need that they will have to come and ask you for help. And then they're going to see who the truly blessed are. And they're going to see why you are the truly blessed. Right? They are going to know on that day that they come to grovel at your feet, when their need is so great that they need your help, they're going to understand what it is to be loved by God through you. Because if God loves me, and other people come to know that, they'll only come to know that by the way I treat them, right? If I treat you like a dog, that's no witness to the fact that God loves me. That's the witness to the fact that I love myself. If you're ever to know from me that God loves me, it will only be because I treat you like a person I love. See, this is an opportunity God is saying, watch, pay attention, be alert, because I'm going to force some of them into such need that they're going to come and beg from you. And then you will have a chance to show them that you're the ones I love. By the way you treat them is what he's implying. I don't know how you treat people. I know that I'm not always as good at it as I'd like to be. I know there are some days that I lay my head on the pillow and I feel like I have utterly failed. And there are other days that I feel like it's gone pretty well. For many years, I was in, in a business that was very busy. It was hectic. We were under a lot of pressure to, to produce, to earn money, to sell products, to succeed in this, in this world, in a highly competitive environment with a product that was brand new and no one knew anything about and fewer people even trusted. And one day I was in downtown of a major city in the Northwest part of the United States. And I had just been through a busy, crazy, hectic, pressure-laden meeting. We'd come out of it thinking we had adequately presented our products and we were gonna do well. And I just wanted a break. And in that city, as in most of the Northwest United States, on about every block, there's a Starbucks coffee shop. And so I saw the Starbucks sign across the street. I walked across the street and I began to enter the Starbucks. And on the street, right there by the door, was a homeless person. Now, that wasn't a surprise. It wasn't unique. There are homeless people all over the downtown area of that city. It's, a, it's an epidemic of homelessness and poverty. But as I was walking in, the manager was 
not yelling, but talking very sternly to this homeless man by the door and telling him he could not come in. Now, outdoors that day, the rain was falling pretty heavily for the Pacific Northwest. It, it rains often there, but this day the drops felt like they were a pint each. They just felt like immense drops and, and they were drenching, soaking rain and and it was cold. It was probably 40 degrees, maybe 39. Now again, in the Pacific Northwest, it very seldom ever freezes. When it gets below 40, it feels like it's really cold there because the humidity is always pretty high. They're close to the ocean. And when the humidity is high and it's rainy and chilly, it just cuts through you. And it was one of those bone chilling days with this soaking, big rain. Usually the rain in the Pacific Northwest is kind of a mist and you can walk from your car into your office and it's really interesting. You don't even get wet. Sometimes my friends from Arizona, I say, I don't know how you live in that heat. And they say, well, it's a dry heat. We don't understand how you live in that rain. And I would say, well, honestly, it's a dry rain because you can walk from your car into the building through the rain. And it is such a fine mist that by the time you get to your desk, you're dry. It, it wasn't that day. It was a real heavy rain, not a downpour like the South, but a heavy rain for the Northwest. And it was, it was wet and cold. And this guy apparently had gone in to try and get warm in Starbucks. And the manager was telling him, if you don't have something to buy, if you're not coming in here to do business, you stay out of my store. You can only come in here if you're going to buy something. Otherwise, stay out and don't lay here by the door. Move on down the sidewalk. Well, right there by the door, there was an awning and it was keeping the sidewalk underneath it dry. Down the sidewalk, there wasn't any such shelter. So I knew why the man was trying to kind of hide in that dry spot, right? Well, I went into Starbucks and I stood in line and I ordered my usual complex coffee order. And then I asked the person who was waiting on me behind the counter if I could buy a gift card. And she agreed that I certainly could. And she gave me 14 different designs to choose from. And I, I chose one that represented the football team of that, uh, of that community. And I put $50 on the gift card, picked up my coffee, took the gift card out to the man on the sidewalk, found him down the block about 100 feet. And I gave him the gift card and I said, now you can go into Starbucks and you can buy something. Be smart. There's $50 on this card. It'll last you a long time if you'll just get drip coffee. Just get drip coffee. If you need something to eat, get one of the least expensive sandwiches that they have so you get some protein and you get some carbohydrates. It'll last longer that way. But be smart with this and there are weeks of being able to get in out of the rain on this card. And his face lit up and he said, wow, thank you so much. And he went back over to Starbucks and he went into the store and I started to go across the street. And one of my friends who'd been in the meeting with me came out of the building where we'd had our meeting and said, did you stop at Starbucks? And I said, yes. Before I got in the car, I wanted to have something to drink. And he said, hold on a minute. Let me do the same thing. So he then went into Starbucks and I went with him because he was my friend. And we waited in line and we got up to 
the barista to place our order and she said, are you the guy that gave that man a $50 gift card? I said, well, I am. And she said, my manager wants to talk to you. And I thought, oh no, here it comes. The manager came over and said, could you step over here away from the other people for a moment? I knew I was in for it then. My buddy kind of snickered at me and patted me on the back like, there it is, you're in trouble again. The manager and I went off to the side and he said, my staff was really moved and I was really deeply convicted that I had, I had treated that man wrongly when he came in with a gift card that he said you'd given him. And he said, the staff felt so strongly in that moment that they just opened their wallets and took a, took a collection. And I have made up the difference to buy, to put another $50 on that man's gift card. He now has almost $100 on his gift card. Thank you for reminding us of our own values. Now, there's a whole lot of things that I disagree with Starbucks about. But in that moment, there was nothing. It was as though the people that I most often disagree with had come to my feet and said, we're sorry, we were wrong. And I had the chance to either say, well, learn your lesson, you sorry louts. Or to treat them with compassion and say, really good job. Really well done. That's all I was hoping to do was to get one guy out of the rain sometimes. And and it allowed them to affirm what was right about what they do and what they believe their mission as an organization is and as a staff in that store. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit's talking about here for you and I. There are times in which the people with whom we most strongly disagree, even people who hate us, will encounter trouble and will need us. Their kids will be hurt. Their kids will be in the hospital. Their mom and dad will be sick. Their best friend will die. They'll lose a pet or they'll lose a loved one. And they'll turn to us and they'll look at us with that, with that look that says, aren't you the guy that knows something about this? It's not really groveling at our feet, but you get the picture, right? There'll be a moment when even the people who hate us need us. The people with whom we disagree the most strongly will in some moment need our ministry and there's our chance to show them the love of God. Because if God really loves us, then he has commanded us to love others in the same way, right? That's what it means to keep his command. Enduring to the end doesn't just mean wiping our brow and sighing deeply and saying, oh my goodness, I hope this wind dies off someday. It means enduring, occupying. That's really the word here, to occupy in the name of Christ, to be in this world as his occupying force so that when our adversaries come into their greatest hour of need, we're the ones who meet that need. We're the ones who step in with the love of Christ. We're the ones who make up what's lacking in their lives. And when they say, what can I repay you? We say, not a thing. I don't give anything that I can't afford to lose. If you want to pay it forward to somebody else when the day comes, please feel free to do that. But you owe me nothing. Let's let's look through today 
throughout the next week for the chance to show the people even with whom we disagree the love of Christ. Go have a great day.